0: Have you ever been made fun of? Raise your hand. (laughs) That's exactly right. We've all been made fun of, right? Let me take it another step, though. Have you ever been made fun of? Have you ever been attacked for what you believe? We could probably, at least a few of us, raise our hands again. I think we've all understood that. Or maybe... Let me take it a different route, and maybe you would identify with this even a little more. Have you ever shied away from talking about what you believe because you believed that you would get made fun of or attacked for what you believe? You don't have to raise your hand on that. Probably, the case, chances are, depending on your personality, one of those scenarios happened to you. You're either not afraid to ever open your mouth and speak, (laughs) and that got you in trouble, or you're on the opposite end. You'd prefer not to open your mouth, and you identify with that. Here's why I think that resonates, though, because what you believe, think about this, what you believe is deeply personal, isn't it? What you actually believe to be true shapes who you are. It shapes what you think. It shapes how you make decisions. It changes the way you raise kids. It informs the decisions you make about work. It informs the decisions you make about your friends. It informs a lot of things. And ultimately, I think when I look at the many culture wars that are out there, and there's a lot I think they get so intense because they dig so deep into whether or not a human being sitting across from you or across the television from you or across the social media platform from you or across the desk from you or the cubicle or the we can go on. You understand what I'm saying? Wherever you find yourself, the human across from you, wherever they are. It digs so deep into whether or not that person is validated. And therefore, we get a lot of the emotions that we see. At the end of John chapter 8, what we studied last week, the Jewish people listening to Jesus and filtering what he was saying through their belief system are so transgressed in their soul by Jesus' claim to be greater than Abraham, to be the light of the world, to be God, that they are ready to stone Him to death. Their belief system was so tightly wrapped that when somebody stood against what they believed to be true... Regardless of the miracles they were witnessing, think about that. Think some of us think to ourselves, if if Jesus was like here, maybe you're like Gideon hiding in a wine press, we're like, if God would just show me something, like if God would just heal my cancer, if God would just you fill in the blank, I'd believe in him, man. I'd believe. But the reality is, and we talk about this a lot, that God is all around us. Last week, we read a quote that Calvin said that when you step outside of your door and you look at the creation, you're seeing the clothes that God puts on that he declares himself to the world. So the question is, why do we struggle with this challenge? I think the challenge they were facing is the same challenge that we are facing. Is Jesus who he says he is? And let's be real. If they watched him feed 5,000 people on a hillside. Heal a guy at the pool of Bethesda. And they're about to watch him heal another man who was born blind. And they still can't. How much more difficult for you and I. Who live in a world that would suggest to you that what you see is all there is. How much harder is it to see Jesus. For who he is. It's a claim that every single one of us needs to wrestle with. Jesus said that he was and is the light of the world. And that's beautiful. The promise that if you will follow him, that you'll never walk in darkness is a powerful promise, a huge claim that we've been unpacking for several weeks. And I don't know if you're like me, but That's what I need, right? Can it be true that I don't have to spend any more time in darkness? That's wild. And I want some of that. That's the kind of thing that I can give my life to. That's the kind of thing that I don't just have to die for. That's the kind of thing that I can, come on, live for, right? That's the kind of thing I want my neighbors to know. That's the kind of thing I want the world to know around me. That there's a God who loves them, gave himself for them, and if they will step in behind him, he'll be their light. Why do we struggle with it so much? Right? We're human there's the human element to all this, right? We Let's illustrate it with a little fun. You If you've been in church for any length of time, when a preacher comes to the stage and says, God is good, and all the time, yeah, you just know it, right? Some of you who don't go to church a lot, you're like, what? <laughs> what is he talking about? Like, but us churchy people, like, we just know. It's like, boom, boom, boom. Like, we know the answers, right? But what if the answer's up in your mind just just don't cut like god is good all the time all the time god is good until the diagnosis right until you lose that person until that circumstance changes and that's where the rubber meets the road right it's fun to sit in church amongst your friends and family and do the little the little fun things like god is good all the time all the time god is good right and like you know yeah but what happens when life happens? That's the kind of stuff we've been after. Because when I, when I say God is good and you say all the time and I say all the time and you say God is good and you declare that. And we, I think, believe that. I think we do. I, I know I do. I actually believe that he's good. But as soon as something bad happens, I scramble to fix that thing on my own. I can't help it. And I think you're probably the same way. And and I was thinking this week, why is that? If he's light, I don't ever have to walk in darkness, and I desperately want that reality. Why is it so hard to get in that space? It's a lot of reasons, I think, but one of them that we see here. And one of them that I think we see in our secular moment as we follow Jesus is that we're all actually pursuing comfort. We're all actually pursuing comfort. And, and here's, here's the deal. Comfort, listen to me, comfort is not a good filter for the truth. It's just not. You look throughout all of history and comfort... Was really a poor filter for the truth. Almost all the time. Right? Because Jesus said stuff like. In this world you will have trouble. But take heart because I've overcome the world. Right? So the world is not the place where you're going to find your comfort. But you and I wrestle with that. I know I do. (laughs) I think C.S. Lewis helps us here. This will be on the screen for you. And I want you to think about what he said. He said if you look for the truth. You may find comfort in the end. But if you look for comfort, you will not get either comfort or truth, only soft soap and wishful thinking to begin and in the end despair. I'm going to leave that quote up for just a second. Think about that. What are you looking for? What's like what's the fir- what's the front foot, right? Like, what am I after? I, I don't. I think if you and I aren't honest about that, we're not going to get really anywhere spiritually. If I can't be real with myself and real with you, that what I seek most of the time is comfort, we're kind of wasting our time. But I'm going to be honest with you as we trek through this. I believe the things I'm going to tell you. I struggle to live them out and i think you'll understand why in a second but let, let's go a step farther cs lewis is close to the gospel truth but come on he wasn't inspired so we got to go to the inspired word right second corinthians chapter 8 chapter 12 verse 8 paul st paul's experience in the bible with god agrees with what cs lewis just said look at it paul speaking says three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it would leave me. Come on, you started by saying, yeah, I've been made fun of. How how many of us have been in this place? God, would you just, would you take that away? If you'd take that away, I could, whatever. We've all been there. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But listen to what God's answer was. But he, God, said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. Because my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, Paul's response, and this is what I don't get if I'm just being real. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weakness Why do we do Regen here at Redeemer City Church? Why is Regen the most important ministry due, but the least attended ministry we do? Come on, somebody. (laughs) Because we're trying to hide that weakness. We're not trying to lay it out in the light. Come on. So when Jesus says, I am the light of the world, what's the problem with that for you and I? That's not comfortable at all. It's beautiful, but it ain't comfortable. Right? Right. Because that's what the scripture says. If you walk in the light as he is in the light, you'll have fellowship with one another. You want to know why we struggle to have fellowship with one an, another? You want to know why gossip exists in the church? You want to know why we care more about the color of the walls and the color of the carpet than we do about the people nearby? Because we've got to drag that stuff in the light. <laughs> Uncover stuff. Boast all the more gladly in my weakness. I don't know what that means. I mean, I know what it means. I don't know what that looks like. But here's why that's such a great invitation. Look at what it says. I'm going to boast in my weakness. Why? So that the power of Christ may rest upon me. You ever wished you could just have the power of God in your life? Scripture talks about it all the time. Scripture offers it to you. The Bible says that greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. Powerful promises. And you're like, how do I get that? The power of Christ rests on you when you are in the light. Boasting in your weakness. We say you need to get in a small group, in a city group, because if you you need at least one person or one group where you can take the mask off and stop playing the game. For the sake of Christ, then I am content with. And that's like a cuss word. Content. Come on. I'm trying to trying to make something happen out here. <laughs> Listen to this list. Put this on your Instagram bio. Put this on your LinkedIn. For the sake of Christ, I'm content with my weaknesses. That ain't what LinkedIn's all about. (laughs) Can you imagine? You'd get some views, though. Let me tell you. You might get some likes. Insults. Hardships. Persecutions and calamities. Yikes. This is Paul's bio. Why can he write that? Look what he says. Because when I'm weak, then I'm strong. Why? Because it's there that the power of Christ rests on you. With that on your heart, and with that filter, I want you to read chapter 9 of John with me. You have to have that background because you have to be thinking about what it actually means to step into the light. You have to actually realize that it's difficult to step into the light. Following Jesus looks more like picking up your cross daily to follow him than it does comfort. So when we come to John chapter 9, I want you to think about the line of what's happened here. Prior, because we go week to week and we do a lot of life in between and we forget what's been going on. Jesus made the statement about being light and that you and I never have to walk in darkness. That caused a lot of anger among the Jewish religious people. Jesus, at the end of chapter eight, like a ninja, escapes the attack and it leads us to our story today. So he's escaping like a ninja as we pick this up, just like that, too. What you know about those moves. I've got three kids. I'm dodging at the house. Literally on his way out of that scenario, this happens. Look at John chapter nine verse one. Don't you love how the scripture like downplays Jesus' moves? as he passed by. <laughs> it wasn't passing by they were, they had stones in hand. At the end of chapter 8, right? Look back one verse. Said, they picked up stones to throw at him, but Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple as he passed by. I'm like, I'm running for my life. I'm not passing nobody by. As he passed by, he saw a man blind from birth. And here's the difference between me and Jesus, right? I mean, I'm your pastor. I love you to death. Here's the difference between me and Jesus. Stones are coming. He's leaving the temple. And he's struck by the need of somebody. How do I how do I get to that worldview? Right? We say it all the time here that we have to love God before we can share good news and love our city. Right? We have to look up before we look in with him. And he does all the work necessary to transform us into the image of his son. So that then I can look with him at people. Right? But that... This is, this is where we're at, right? Light comes in, it rearranges the furniture, and then as stones are coming, he's passing by and he sees a blind man from birth, and his disciples, it's always the disciples, man, it's always the religious guys. It's always us. Look at what they say. He's blind from birth. Look at, look at this. But see if you don't resonate with this, because I did when I really thought about it. Rabbi, who sinned? This man or his parents? Wow. Who sinned? Why was he born blind? What happened here that he had to be born blind? The disciples want to know why. There has to be a reason that this happened. What did he do? What did his parents do wrong? Why? Any parents in the room ever wonder if you're messing up your kids? Like every day. Like my kid's going to grow up and like they're going to look back and be like, you did that. (laughs) They're going to be in a therapy session someday sitting Indian style and they're going to be like, it's my dad. And I'm going to be like, you're right, it was, I'm sorry. Lord, help me. Yeah, we, we get that. We, we, I, I think a lot of times we point fingers at the disciples, but we, we actually kind of, we get that. God, why did that happen? Have you ever, have you ever in your life struggled with Why? Have you ever, have you ever wondered, why God? Why did this happen? Why didn't this happen? Why did this happen for them? Why did that go? Yeah, we do it all the time. But look at, look at what he says, right? Because in that pain, right, there's pain in that question. There's pain in the question, why? We ask God why because it hurts. You notice we never, when when we're celebrating the goodness of God, we don't ask why. Did you ever wonder that? We don't ever wonder why God blesses us. God gives me a blessing, I'm not like, why God? I'm like, thank you God, let's go. (laughs) Totally different questions, right? We ask why when we're in pain. We ask why when we're in pain, and so... That's where we're at. Pain is a sign of something bad. The disciples here are thinking the same thing that we do. Why? Why pain? How do we process pain? And I want you to, like a sponge, soak in the answer that Jesus gives. And I want to... To just seep into the deepest parts of your soul. The scripture says that he's an anchor for your soul. And this is the reason why. Because he doesn't just meet you where it's great. He meets you where it's not great. He meets you in your pain. Look at what he says. He said, Jesus answered in verse 3. It was not that this man sinned or his parents. Listen to this. But that the works of God might be displayed in him. That's not a great answer if you're just living for comfort. The first thing, if you're right, taking notes, you can write this down. The first thing that Jesus does in pain is deliver purpose. Think about that. The first thing Jesus does is deliver purpose in your pain. That's unique to our worldview. In just about every other worldview I can think of, pain is bad, or pain is something to be processed out, or pain is something to be moved on from. Pain is a sign of weakness. Pain is part of the journey, for sure, but not to be tolerated. In God's economy, though, pain is never wasted. Pain serves God's purposes. It's not always a popular answer, but it is nevertheless the true answer. The faster you and I can garner God's perspective of pain, the quicker our soul will be satisfied. In almost every other worldview, it's bad. Purpose when they're in pain. But what happens when you're in pain? It gets a lot more difficult. After Jesus shares this with his disciples, their perspective begins to shift to the neighbors to the people around the people around town who already knew this guy. Okay, we come here and Jesus said the works of God are being displayed in him. And look what happens in verse four. We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Having said these things, he spat on the ground and made mud with the saliva. Then he anointed the man's eyes with the mud and said to him, go wash in the pool of Siloam, which means sent. That's important. So he went and washed and came back. What? Seeing. Jesus delivers purpose to this guy's pain But notice that the second thing that he does is he delivers healing from the pain. I think that's important, too. God's not just always about pain. (laughs) You might have picked that up from the beginning of the talk here. God is willing to heal you. In fact, he heals people all the time. He doesn't have to, but he certainly can. And his healing you from your pain may not come through the form of physically healing. It may come in some other way, but make no mistake, he is willing to heal. And so what happens is, he receives this healing. And people begin to notice. And so what happens in the story is, the the people around town who have known this guy forever start to go, isn't that, isn't that the guy who was blind? So they go to his parents and are like, isn't that your son who was born blind? And they're like, that's him. But they were afraid of the religious leaders, and so they kind of skirt the issue and they don't answer the question. And they and they literally say, he's of age. <laughs> go ask him. Cause they're afraid of the stones. Right? They're afraid of the same stones because to say that Jesus was God, to say that he could heal, that was a problem. So they come back to the guy, and I want you to listen to his answer. Look at verse 23. This is really powerful. Therefore his parents said, he's of age, ask him, verse 24. So for the second time they called the man who had been blind... And said to him, give glory to God. It's always a religious answer, right? Give glory to God. We know that this man is a sinner. Talking about Jesus. But listen to this. If you don't get anything else out of the text today. If you don't get anything else that I say today. You need to know this. Here's this guy's answer. Here's his answer. Whether he's a sinner. I don't know. One thing I do know. Though I was blind, now I can see. I don't know everything there is to know. But one thing I do know is that I was blind and now I can see. I wonder today if somebody sitting here or somebody watching online or me. Needs to revisit the things that God has done in your life. Because what I do know, and I know many of you, I know that many of you have a story to tell. There was a time in your life that you were blind. There was a time in your life that you were destitute. There was a time in your life where you were lame sitting by the pool. There was a time in your life where you were spiritually dark. But now you can see. You see, because what happens, Jesus has been building an equation all along in these texts, all along in these stories, and we've been looking at His interactions with people, learning about who God is from His interactions with people, and it comes all the way to this point, and there's an equation happening here, and I want you to see it and write it down. It'll be on the screen. Purpose plus healing equals what? A testimony. Every single one of you has a story to tell. Every single one of us has a story to tell, but we don't often tell our story because we're trying to be comfortable. We're not trying to tell our story. The third thing that Jesus delivers to you in your pain is a testimony. The third thing that he delivers is a testimony. Now listen to the rest of the story, and and this is this is powerful, it'll just speak for itself. In verse twenty six, they said to him, What did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? They need answers. Why? They need answers. He answered them, I've told you already, and you would not listen. I hope we're not in that place where Jesus is speaking, we're just not listening. What did he do? He said, I already told you, you would not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you, do you also want to become his disciples? I love that, right? This dude's already an evangelist. He's like, I don't know everything there is to know. See, some of us, we don't share our faith because we think we need all the answers. This guy had no answers. He was blind from birth. And he says, I don't know everything. But one thing I do know is I was blind and now I can see and I don't need any other answers. <laughs> do you too want to become a disciple? <laughs> I love that. And, the, and they, listen, they reviled him. They reviled him saying, you are his disciples, but we are disciples of Moses. We know that God has spoken to Moses, but as for this man, we do not know where he comes from. The man answered, why? Throws that why right back at him. I love it. This is an amazing thing. You do not know where he comes from, but he opened my eyes. He opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners, but if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, listen to God listens to him. Are you aware that still today God will listen to you? Look at verse 32. Never since the world began has it been heard that anyone opens the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. They answered him, you were born in utter sin. True. <laughs> and would you teach us? And they cast him out. many of you know Jesus is happy to meet you where you've been cast out. Some of you are at Redeemer City Church because you've been cast out. Some of you have met Jesus because you were cast out. Listen, Jesus heard that they had cast him out and having found him, he went in search of the man that got cast out and he said, do you believe in the son of man? And he answered, and who is he, sir, that I may believe in him? Jesus said, you have seen him and it is he who is speaking to you. And he said, Lord, I believe. And he worshiped him. Jesus said, for judgment, I came into the world that those who Do not see may see and those who see may become blind. Some of the Pharisees near him heard these things and said to him, are we also blind? Jesus said to them, if you were blind, you would have no guilt. But now that you say we see. Now that you say you see your guilt remains. Listen. We can see. But I wonder if how many days a week that we can see. We walk around acting like we can't see. The promise after promise after promise in the scripture. Is that you can see. That the power of God can rest on you. But we come full circle back to that place. What are you looking for? Too many times, I am looking for comfort. And comfort is no filter for the truth. Listen, not even the devil can steal your story. Not even the devil can steal your story. Purpose plus healing equals a testimony. Let me ask you a question. Do you have a story to tell? Do you have a story to tell? Listen to Mark chapter 5 verse 19. Look Look at what it says. Go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he's had mercy on you. It doesn't say give an apologetic defense for the creation of the world. It's really okay to just tell your scientist neighbor, who also isn't a scientist, (laughs) that you don't know. That God just might be big enough to use evolution. That God might just be big enough to use creation. That you don't know. But what you do know is that you were blind, but now you can see. That you didn't have any purpose, but now you have purpose. That you didn't know what you were doing, but now you have peace. That you didn't have, and you fill in the blank with your story. For me, it's, I grew up, I had, I had religion, but I didn't have relationship. Right? That there comes this point where Jesus walks up to you and says, do you believe? And our belief is so personal. And it shapes the rest of what your life's going to look like. But I'm afraid that so many of us are the religious people in the story. That wasn't God. You can't be God. God's moving all around us and we're explaining it away. Come on, church. We can know everything we need to know about Jesus. But at the end of the day, his offer is you were blind. But now you can see you had pain. You still have pain. I'm bringing purpose to your pain. I'm bringing healing to your pain. You have a story to tell. Go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he's had mercy on you. I wonder if you have a story to tell. That maybe you're in the place that you are because God wants to meet you in that place. God wants to meet you in that pain and display the works of God to everybody around you. See, it comes all the way back to that place that the disciples asked him why. This man didn't sin and his parents didn't sin. Rather, it's that the works of God might be displayed in him. Listen to me. You're going through what you're going through right now so that the works of God can be displayed in you. Whatever happens this week that you weren't expecting to happen this week, it's happening so that the works of God can be displayed in you. Whatever takes place at Redeemer City Church in this corporate body over the next 50 years, I hope, is going to happen so that the works of God can be displayed in us. See, because John 17 tells us that when we come together and we love each other the way God loved us, that's how the world around us knows that Jesus is who he is. But you and I have to stop looking for comfort all the time and start looking for Jesus. And so what I want to do now is I I, I want the band to come back up. I want to sing that hymn again. My Jesus, I love thee. Listen to the words. I know thou art mine. Because that's what it said, right? Jesus comes to this guy and says, do you believe? And he says, tell me who you are so that I can believe. (laughs) Just tell me who you are. And he says, I'm the one you're looking for. You were blind and now you can see. And so I just want to invite you to sing that song as a prayer, to sing that song as a confession back to your God. You don't need all the answers today. I certainly don't have all the answers for you today. But what I do know is that you have a story to tell. What I do know is that many of you, where you sit today, is not where you were yesterday. It's not where you were last week. It's not where you were last year. It's not where you were five years ago. Man, some of you I went to college with, and I sure, I know it ain't where we were 15 years ago. Can I get an amen from those people? God's doing a work and he's working all things together for good to those that love him but his work in you is to display his glory around you the invitation is to come to Jesus the invitation is to see to taste and see that he is good even in the midst of your pain Amen. Come on. Why don't you stand with me? I'm going to pray. And then let's sing this out just as a prayer together. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for being God. We confess together today that you are God and we are not. And we accept that as good news. That you're doing things in the world that we don't understand. That your works might be displayed in us. But God, I also want to take just a moment and recognize as we are in your presence. That so many of us are facing pain. That so many of us are facing circumstances that we don't understand. God, I can think of two in my life right now that I know you're softening and sanding off the hard edges of my soul places where I'd prefer comfort over what you're doing to display your glory in me. So God, I just pray for my friends. I pray for Redeemer City Church that you would sand off those edges of our souls. Would you meet us where we are? Would you give us purpose in our pain? If you're in the room today, I just feel like I'm supposed to ask you if you'd like me to pray for you. If you're going through something right now, everybody's got their heads bowed and their eyes closed, so nobody's looking around. But if I can pray for you, I don't even need to know what it is. But if you would just say, you know what, as my pastor, I would appreciate if you would pray for me. Would you just slip your hand up? I just want to lift up those who lifted a hand. It's just a first step, a little step to get uncomfortable, but want to step into the light. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would fill this place. As Paul said to his friends in Philippi, I pray that we would each be filled with the fruit of righteousness. be able to discern what is best. Jesus, we love you. We ask that you would work in our midst. We know you are. I pray that you would help us to see it. We're so grateful for how you're working. We ask that you would continue that work in us, that you promise to complete.